Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. If you would, please be turning to 1 Samuel 16. I've got 2 Samuel there, but it is 1 Samuel that we're in. So, 1 Samuel 16. And I'm going to start reading in verses... 6 verses 6 through let me just start in verse 6 and I'll I'll stop where I stop <laughs> verse 6 and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said surely the Lord's anointed is before him but the Lord said unto Samuel Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here, are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was... Rudy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and a goodly and goodly to look to, and the Lord said, "Arise, anoint him, for this is he." <clears throat> My title is the Lord's Anointed. <clears throat> this world, this flesh, will always attempt to do that which it thinks it can do for God. And we're going back to Saul and what he did in the previous chapter. God is clear in His Word and very specific on how He says to do things or how things are done. Yet we by nature want to try and add in our hand to the mix. God told Saul through Samuel to kill everything and not leave anything alive. That included women and children. And this is with the Amalekites. This is the God of Scripture. He kills and He makes alive. Whomever He is pleased to. If you are against the God of heaven, God will destroy you. But Saul and the people of Israel thought they would do something for God in chapter 15. Why Saul only took the king alive and no one else, I'm not real sure other than rebellion. Maybe it was so that Saul could gloat over the victory God, God bought, brought as if it were his by having this king serve him. I don't know. 
when Samuel comes, he has to go and tell Samuel that he had done what God told him to do. It was a lie. Samuel knew it because God had already told him. 1 Samuel 15, 13 and 14 we read, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Verse 14, And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? <clears throat> you did not go into the, bat into the battle with these animals, and you should not have come out with any animals. God said to destroy everything of the Amalekites. Be careful when you want the rest of what the world wants. You may just be a part of this world. Saul thought he knew better than God. Religious people today do this very thing. I, left to myself, will do this very same thing. This flesh will deceive us into thinking that we can work a God righteousness when all our works are filthy rags in his sight. We read in 1 Samuel 15 in verse 1 where Samuel tells Saul that God has sent him to anoint Saul to be king of Israel. All he has to do is do what the Lord commands him. And we already know that Saul has disobeyed what God said to do previously. He's already disobeyed him, but God says, you know, all you have to do is obey what he says. <clears throat> and I think back on all the scriptures, how many times the Lord was gracious to his people even though they disobeyed him. God was kind to them. Remember when the people of Israel were complaining to Moses and Moses got mad and struck the rock twice? God still gave them water. Many times did the people of God complain and God continued to bless them with what they needed. But then we get to, they get to Canaan and the spies were sent out. Ten came back with an evil report and two came back with a good report. God had already told them that he would defeat their enemies. The people would then do what? They listened listen to the majority. The majority will never believe God. Small does not mean you are right, but believing God is, is what is right. God has chosen a remnant so those who do believe will be a small number. We can see that in Joshua and Caleb. Joshua we have seen before as he is a picture of Christ. Joshua gives a good report. But who else? Caleb. Who is Caleb? A dog. Caleb means dog. Christ and all those, all those who are his dogs will give a good report. Yes, sir. All of mankind are dogs, but some dogs sit at the master's table eating what the master is pleased to give them from his hand. Amen. In chapter 15, we see Saul giving assent to what God says by going forth to conquer. But he does it his way and not God's way. Saul was told to go against the Amalekites and destroy everything there. Nothing was to be left breathing. This included men, women, and children. God said there was not anything worth keeping there. I know this is severe, but that is who God is. There is nothing of fallen sinful man that pleases God. 
Everything where the Amalekites were was the works of man. Saul wanted a little piece of it himself. He thought he could do something to help God out. No, he desired or thought what God said was not good enough and he knew how to do things and thought that it would be good enough before, before a thrice holy God, the works of his hands. <clears throat> In fact, I see this as Saul thinking he was great. As I said, I, I think maybe he wanted to gloat over the victory as if he had done it and he had this king right, him, right before him doing as Saul was commanding him to do things. When Saul and his armies got back, Samuel come to meet him. He tried to butter Samuel up, but Samuel was not having it. He had already been told by God that Saul did not do what he was commanded to do. But Saul says to Samuel, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I've done everything I was supposed to, is what he told Samuel. And as I said, that was a lie. And Samuel knows, knows it. And what does he say again? And Samuel said, What meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? There are sounds coming from what you have done that would indicate you are not giving glory and honor to God. Because there should not be any sounds coming from you at all from what you have done. God did it all and you are trying to ascend the throne as, of God as well as we all do by nature. But we get to chapter 16 and we see God choosing his anointed. So what are we going to see here? Here, What we're going to see here is God's elect. So we're going to go through this morning the following. We will briefly look at the chosen people of God. Then we will look at the elect of God. <clears throat> so first, the chosen people of God. As we have seen, there are many who will give lip service to God, but they will not do things God's way. They will not give all the glory to God. They want to glory in their flesh just a little, but God does not share his glory. We see here in chapter 16 an instance or example of God choosing one of his. This is not a type. Here God actually shows that he is choosing a man for his purposes. Let's read uh, verses 1 through 3 of, of 1 Samuel 16. Verses 1 through 3. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. <clears throat> God tells Samuel where to go. And where is it that he has him to go? The place of sacrifice. It is the place designated that everyone at that time and in that place knew to go for sacrifice. Is this not the place where the local assembly meets? Do we not meet to give God the sacrifice of our tongue or our lips, giving him praise, honor, and glory for all that he hath done? But we also see here that God will tell Samuel what to do going forward. Samuel does not know who the chosen one would be, and neither do we. 
God does not inform us ahead of time who the elect are. Those chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Now let's read uh, verses 4 through 7 of 16. 4 through 7. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. We can see here God's elect and those elect being identified by God. Samuel, when he begins to see the first son come before him, he looks on his outward countenance. God tells him, tells him that this is all we can do is look on the outward countenance. We have no idea who the elect of God are before they are revealed. God does not look on the outward countenance. God knows what is in our heart. He knows as we are born in Adam, we are born with that heart of stone which cannot believe God. He looks on the inward parts and knows them that he gives unto them a heart of flesh or a living heart. He knows those ones that he does this for. One that is after God's own heart. Salvation is a heart work. But it's not a heart work where God works on that old heart to fix it up. What does Christ say in John 3, 6? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That old heart we have as we are born in Adam will never look to Christ. Although it will make us think we do. <clears throat> we will be as Saul and think we are doing God a favor in keeping the best of the worst. To give to God. Jeremiah 17, 9, very familiar to everyone. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God does not want our heart. He does not and will not fix up this old man. This old man is the old heart. When it talks about the heart in Scripture, it's talking about the seat of affection and thoughts. There's nothing God wants with this old man. How this happens and how this is done is not known to man. The only thing that is known to us is that God does it. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This old heart will never believe God, and God will never change this heart. It will, in fact, go back to the dust if you were a child of God. How many of us are born of the flesh? Every single one of us. And every single, single individual who has ever been born into this world is born of the flesh. Everything brings forth of its own kind. We are fallen, sinful, dead in trespasses and in sin, flesh. Yes. All we bring forth is that, dead flesh. God in his wise design has been pleased that he would give to us. By us, I mean the chosen of God, the elect. He tells us he is pleased to give us a new heart. 
one that is fleshy, or that is a living heart, not a heart, hard stone heart which will never believe. And what does that mean? It means God is in total sovereign control. We, if we are ever to be able to do anything toward God at all, it will be Him who has to perform a miracle on me. He will have to do this before I can ever turn to Him. Those who are His, He will manifest openly who they are. How is this manifested? They believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. They believe that Jesus Christ, that one spoken of in times past, that one spoken of in the present, and that one which will be spoken of in the future. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. These are born of God, the scripture says. But these are not the only elect ones. We also see here in our text, the elect of God. He is the firstborn among many brethren, the book says. He was chosen among all his brethren as the anointed of God, through whom all other chosen of him come to God. He is the first fruit. So, number two, the, the elect of God. Isaiah 42, 1 reads, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. God has one that he has chosen to anoint as king over his people. That one is Jesus Christ. He is the keeper of the sheep. What does John say in John 1.15? It says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He is preferred before me because he was before me. Although he also is the one that cometh after John. Jesus Christ is all things to his people. It is in this one elect that God the Father has chosen all of his people. Had the Son not been chosen, there would not be any elect from Adam. If you would turn with me to Matthew 12, real quick. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verses 15 through 18. Matthew 12. Fifteen through eighteen. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will show judgment to the Gentiles. It is in and because of this chosen one that we would even be considered. We being given to the Son because of the victory that He would bring. The King, God the Father, would give the King the Son as a uh, give, give the King the Son a bride. 
Ephesians 1, 3, and 4, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Anything holy, just, and good you can think of as a believer, Jesus Christ gets all the credit for it. Because he has done it all. If he does not get the credit, it is one of two things. It is either the work that is done and it's not holy, just, or good, or you are robbing God. One of the two. Now just to be clear, you will never take anything away from God. You do not have the power. But when you try to take credit for anything that God does, you are robbing God. God chose us in Christ from before the foundation of the world. This was based on what Christ would do to secure his bride. This is that one who would have to go defeat the great enemy. There is that enemy, Satan. But that enemy is also that one that, the one that defies the armies of God. That one is this flesh of mine. We see in 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17, <clears throat> that there were some on one side with this great warrior, and there, there are some who are arrayed in battle. They are ready to fight for their religious beliefs. The problem is they are on the wrong side. They are on the side of the one where David says here in 1 Samuel 17, those that defy the armies of the living God. Yeah. Who are they? They are enemies. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In Colossians 1.21 we read, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Those who were his, those chosen, the elect of God, were just as those on the other side. We were enemies in our mind against God and our works manifested forth this array of war, if you will, against God. But God has never been angry against his people. Not because they have done good, but because His Son has done good. But not only that, He has done for them something they could not do themselves. He defeated all the enemies who would defy God and His armies, including my flesh and your flesh if you are one of His. He did this in a way that no one else would have done or could have done. We see it here in 1 Samuel 17. I did a message on, on this before too. That David did, he did it with shepherd's tools. He had a sling and he had some stones, five to be exact, smooth stones. It took one to defeat the enemy. But we can even see that God's people, the ones on the side of David, and those who are his brethren will at one time deride and mock. One of David's brothers was angry with him for coming to the battle in verses 28 of 1 Samuel 17. Verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? 
And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Why have you come down here? I see this really as us before God has opened our eyes and us being okay with God being somewhere that we cannot see Him and, and con controlling all of that. And that was a little bit convoluted, I believe. But. but for Him to be in control and a part of everything right where I am in the battle, I will not have this man reign over this. This is, this is what I see as that brother getting mad, is us not wanting this Lord to reign over us. And then 1 Samuel 17, 29, we read, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? What happens now? David begins to show his brethren why he has come down. He is the anointed one by God, and he will carry out that which is needed to secure his people from the enemy. David had to come down to win the battle. He made sure the sheep were cared for when he came down to the battle. Only because of David, or that is Jesus Christ, only because of what he has done can we then begin to pursue the enemy. As I said previously, Jesus Christ is the first fruit among his brethren. 1 Corinthians 15, 19-22 we read, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus Christ has risen, and because he is risen, and we are chosen in him, we are raised in him, or with him. Our life is in Jesus Christ. We as the elect of God will be made manifest one day if we have not already as, as some of us here have been. But we will be made manifest by him coming to us in power. Power in giving us life from the dead and then sending his gospel to us that we might believe. Causing us to give him all the praise, honor, and glory. This life, even though we will die one day laying this flesh down, but we will also, as it says there in 1 Corinthians 15, will be made alive in Christ. It never changes. Christ is our life and always will be our life. <clears throat> this world, those of this world, are all about doing what they want, even while they name the name of Jesus. They will always and continually think they know better than God. Their works will manifest that they do not know God. They are dogs. Those who are gods are those who by His grace have been chosen in the elect, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the firstborn among many brethren, chosen of the Father. Brethren chosen in Christ, these are all dogs as well, but they are His dogs. Those who will look to him when he comes to them in love to let them know who he is and what he's done. Chosen in Christ, not by anything that they have done. Only in who he is and what he has done. Yes. Had God not chosen them, there would be none. God be thanked the son was loved so much that he was promised a bride. One who would be clean and white. 
through what he would do. God's elect being chosen in Christ have no merit of their own. It is all because of him. We have to say just as it does in scripture, and I'll end with this, Ephesians 1 and 6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Amen. 